If you're looking for a new way to support SideMission, check out W.GG, an energy supplement company trying to make a difference. Make sure to use code SIDEMISSION for 15% off your order. Thank you, Dubby, for sponsoring this episode, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome in to the newest episode of Side Mission. Uh, like always, I'm your host, Rusty Ellis, joined by the boys, Kyle Lynch, Matt Beck. And for once, I said their last names because I've decided it's kind of weird that I only say my last name. I'm not going to lie. I've always thought that. And I don't know why I didn't do it until now. Um, if you haven't, if you were wondering, well, there's, you're not wondering because there's no way of us putting out Twisted Metal Episode 4 before this. Uh, we are having to re-record this episode because there was an audio issue on my end when we recorded last time, and we're having to redo all of it. So it's our chance to get it even better the second time. I thought it was a good episode we recorded the first time, but we're talking about Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon, one of my most anticipated games of the year. I think we were all looking forward to this one. I think that we there were varying levels of hype. Kyle, yours was kind of like a roller coaster. You liked it. You were excited for it. You saw the gameplay. You thought it was going to be Elden Ring with mechs. It's not, but you quickly grew into it because of the gameplay. And then, Matt, I think we were around the same hype levels, so that wasn't really any different. Um, yeah. Let's go ahead and just hop right in. Uh, this game is really, really damn good. Uh, we all like it. At this point, and I am going to flex because this wasn't the case when we recorded I finished off the Platinum earlier this week, and I'm very hyped about that. Uh, I love this game. I think it's phenomenal. I think the gameplay is ultimately the reason why I love this game. Kyle, we've compared it a lot to Returnal. There's a lot of similarities. Obviously, it's not exactly a... Uh, it's not exactly the same style of game as, a, as Returnal, where when you die, you start over entirely with nothing. But there's a lot of similarities in terms of the combat, and I think that's why you and I both really like this game. Yeah, honestly, this game immediately felt like Returnal to me just based off of the way that the combat is done. Uh, the very quick movement, uh, a lot of these bosses, uh, very, especially Balti is the first you know big roadblock. They're very bullet hell-ish, uh, which is exactly how Returnal is. Or I should say that Returnal is like Armored Core because Armored Core came out first. And it honestly makes me sad that I didn't get into this franchise earlier. Because much so, yeah. I I definitely would have loved it, and I it, it makes me want to go back and play the other games, um, because this game not only you know um, was the combat just extremely well done. The game was very polished, never crashed on me. I mean, I had no frame drops. There were never any bugs. I mean, this game worked perfectly from beginning to end. Uh, I I I loved this game. I loved a lot about it. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think that I want to st say something real quick on one of your points, uh, the idea of the game being polished. And there are some people out there that we know that listen to the podcast that I'm not going to name names exactly, but they know who they are, that say that that shouldn't be considered a positive, that you should expect the game to work out of the box. And I think that if, if gaming this year has shown us one thing, it's that that is a lot easier said than done. Because games like Gollum, games like Redfall, uh, you know, obviously Cyberpunk years ago, but there are other games obviously as well that have come out and have not performed well in that department right away that maybe are very buggy, very glitchy. There's frame rate drops. Jedi Survivor is another one, though that game turned out fantastic regardless, and it's been patched recently. But the Armored Core absolutely is polished. I think that's a lot of that is credited to From Software. They haven't had, with their last couple of releases, they haven't had a ton of buggy issues. And really, to my knowledge... 
Dark Souls back in like 2011 was the last time they had a really buggy release. You know, everything since then I feel like has been really, really polished. So a lot of credit goes to them. Now, of course, I'm the FromSoft shill, so I will say anything positive I can about From Software because I love them. But I, I do think you're right that it being as polished as it is right out the gate, really, really good. The bullet hell combat, a lot of fun. The variety of weapons, and we'll touch on that more kind of in depth as we go. I think that, especially as me and you have played the game a few times now, Kyle, we've seen all three of the endings. There's a lot of variety here. You can play the game with just dual Gatling guns like we did for our first few playthroughs, and, you know, that can carry you. But there's several different ways you can play, especially if you want to go for the S-Rings, as you and I both learned. Um, Matt, I wanted to touch on the mission design with you first, because the few times we've talked about this game, and we've talked about it quite a bit. I don't know why I say few. We've talked about it quite a bit. Um, you did say the mission design was sometimes hit or miss for you. And I believe when we first recorded the episode, it had something to do with, you know, there's a lot of varying degrees of length of, um, you know, objectives that you have within the missions that there are some missions that are a lot of fun that go on for a while. And there are a lot of fun. And there are some that are kind of just one or two fights and then they're over. Kind of tell me, what was it about the mission design that was hit or miss for you? So when it comes to the mission design, the hits for me is I like how quick and snappy it is just to get into a, a mission. And, I agree with that. You know, yeah. some, some are fairly quick, but some do take quite a bit of time, which I'm not complaining about the length. It's more so the, you know, what's exactly going on in the mission. Like, for example, like uh, one of my favorite ones is I like the ones where it's just like, you know, you're just going around on the map. Like, I think, is it called the Strider? Yes, yes, when you're that defeating actually, the, the mining machine, yes. Yes, that was actually one of my favorite missions. I like the how you know the scale, the sense of scale that it provided, because that, that thing was huge, especially like when you start off in this desert area and you look off in the distance and you just see it and you're like, okay, that thing is huge. You're right. So when you actually get up to it, and then you can really see that sense of scale, which is not something that I've seen since like I probably have to say uh, you know, old God of War games, the, the sense of scale what about some of the I, I've mm -hmm. compared it. I think I've compared it when I've talked to some friends. What about like some of the bigger machines in Horizon Forbidden West? Oh, think yeah, similar to that maybe. To it. Yeah, especially with the DLC, which I won't. You know, my, this isn't about Horizon, so I'm not going to talk about that. But one of the final bosses in the DLC for Horizon is is probably the the absolute most biggest like <laughs> enemy I have ever faced. So that the Strider actually, in my opinion, was bigger, <laughs> and scaling God. scaling scaling that thing was a lot of fun. Um, missions that i didn't think worked out to me for me too well were like the one where you started off at the top of this kind of like area and you kind of keep dropping down and avoiding these lasers and you're basically just trying to figure out like the best way to uh to fall down without getting hit by those lasers and eventually uh other enemies will start appearing too and, and start targeting you but That's that fair. just seemed that just seemed to go on forever like if it was maybe just a little bit shorter i maybe i wouldn't have hated it so much um, I'm also not that big of a fan of like tower defense levels. I never really cared for those kind of games. I so think that's like, fair. When you're, especially, it was the very last one that you did where you had to. I think it, you were protecting. Was it three missiles? No, that's the first one you do. The last one you're first protecting. One? You're protecting. At this point, by the way, I think this is a good spot to yeah, say spoiler yeah. alert. In the event that we do spoil something, spoiler alert. We're probably going to talk in depth about some of the story endings, some of the story stuff. Um, but you've been warned. Yeah, you're talking about when you're trying to protect the Xylem control tower. That's yes, what you're talking yes, about. When yes, you're, when you're protecting the tower, yes. Especially when the snipers show up. It's kind of easy-peasy at first, but then the sniper shows up, and then you're it's like really putting the pressure on you. But, yeah, th I, th I think that it's just... I, I, 
I like the variety in missions. I will, I will give them that. Like it definitely didn't, you know, feel samey. It wasn't repetitive. Everything just kind of felt, you know, br- like, you know, brand new. So I think it, it's just some of the quality of the missions were just a little bit lower for me, but I mean, there's, there's a lot of good stuff here. Yeah. I, I, I will go ahead and say, and I think this is a good spot to maybe talk about missions and things that we didn't like. I know that when we yeah. first recorded this, we kind of left critiques near the end, but I think that kind of talking about them now kind of allows us to transition into more positive things later. Um, perks to being able to re-record an episode. Um, one of the few perks considering the extra editing work I have to do and the extra recording work Kyle has to do. Um, but I will say there were other missions I was not a huge fan of. I think the number one mission that sticks out that I didn't love the tower defense. I thought that was not very fun. Both times I did it. I was not a very big fan of the intercept the red guns mission. And it's a mission very late in the game. It's a branching path mission where you can either, you can either intercept the red guns and go after gun one Michigan, their leader, um, and you can pretty much take down their remaining forces, or you can ambush the Vespers, and it's just a 2v2 boss fight, and if I had known that, I would have never picked Intercept the Red Guns to begin with, because uh, Intercept the Red Guns led to the death of my red controller. Um, and it's basically just a mission, and Kyle, I, I, God, I'm not looking forward to us having to go through the S-rank on that, just because I know how hard the add S-rank was for me. Um you basically, it's almost a wave defense kind of mission or a horde mode where you go through essentially four waves of enemies and in the third wave, the main boss drops in and especially if you're using the Gatling guns, it's very easy to run out of ammo and there's no resupply, there's no checkpoint and getting to that fourth wave can sometimes take upwards of 10 to 15 minutes. Meaning if you die, you are resetting all the way back 10 to 15 minutes and starting over. And that repet- that repetition, that monotonous kind of mission design there, especially with no resupply or checkpoint, it just feels like it's a little too punishing. Now, another another few missions I wasn't a huge fan of. I, I, I didn't mind all of, the, all of the missions that just turned into boss fights. But I, the one that I didn't really love all that much was the one where you had to avoid being seen. I wasn't a fan of, in a mech game, having to essentially play um, Stealth Core. Having to play Metal Gear, Metal, Metal Gear Armored Core, essentially, where if you get spotted, you have to start all the way over. I wasn't a huge fan of that. I just don't think Stealth really has much of a place in mech-based video games. Now, Keep in mind, none of us have played the older games. None of us have any idea if that's a thing in the older games. So if you're hearing that, and that's always been an Armored Core, forgive us. We're new to the franchise. So, uh, Kyle, was there anything that kind of stuck out to you that you were just like, eh, I love this game, I love 90% of this game, but here's the one thing that bugged me. What's that one thing for you? Oh, man. Um, I, you have to nitpick almost. Yeah. I know because me and you love this game, you almost have to nitpick. I really do love this game. I think that it's like there are a couple of missions that I think like, you know, the intercept, the red guns, like you said, are are a bit unfair. Um, But it's more so when you're going for the S ranks, because I beat this game three times, like really quickly. And it was I mean, it's doable. It's easy. It's punishing at times. But it's because you got to learn what kind of build you need to go through your, you know, what kind of build you need to use to go through the level and how to beat these bosses, what, you know, kind of heavy enemies are thrown at you. But honestly, I, 
I only really come to the nitpicking when it comes to completion. It's kind of like my complaint with Crash 4, how the main game, yeah, there's times that are punishing, but I think, you know, it's fair enough with the checkpoints and all that stuff, but the completion is a little bit rough. S ranks, especially because I've been doing them recently, have been the bane of my existence, especially when, like, you know, Destroy the Ice Worm, it was a very easy mission. I I did it so many times. I loved, I loved that boss fight, but the S rank, for some reason, was so difficult for me, and it's weird, because, like, some of these missions, like, you know, Rusty, you did them in one try, and it took me a few Ooh. times, but then other missions I did in one try, and it, like, you know, they were hard for you. It, it, I guess it really all depends on your play style, on what missions are really going to be harder for you, because if you're used to, you know, going through fast, not killing a lot of enemies, then, you know, there'll be a lot of these missions that I think will be easy for you, but other than that, other than the difficulty with some of the S ranks, I really don't have anything that I don't like about this game. I think if I have a nitpick, and again, like I have to do that because you know I don't think I don't think the game is perfect, but I think it's really damn good. Like I think this is, I think this is my favorite game that's come out so far this year. I'm ready to say that after platinuming it, and I love Tears of the Kingdom, but this to me just it, it hit differently for me. And maybe I'm biased towards FromSoft. Maybe I'm biased towards this style of gameplay. But I will say one thing that could have been better in terms of quality of life. I wish there had been a little bit of an explanation for why you didn't get an S rank in a mission. I wish, like, if you got an A, Same. but you feel like you played the mission really, really well, you did it fast, you conserved ammo really well, you didn't take a ton of damage, and you still get an A because, ah, eh, well, you didn't kill enough enemies, ah, eh, well, you could have been a little bit faster, could have optimized it a little bit here. I wish that the game would kind of tell you or point you in the right direction of, here's where you're not getting the S rank, here's where you can improve still. Because there are some that feel quite arbitrary, that feel quite... The game kind of is picking and choosing when you're getting the S rank. One that I can think of is the first mission in Chapter 2. I did it a few times where I get to the smart cleaner, I feel really good about the run, I kill him within 15, 20 seconds, I feel really, really good about it, and I get with hit, hit with an A rank, and I'm like, I didn't take a lot of damage, I didn't use a lot of ammo, I did that really fast what's the difference? And I look it up and it turns out that the difference is that I didn't kill enough enemies for a higher bonus pay. And that's kind of frustrating. It's like, eh, I feel like I did everything else. That's an S rank style run. And then the moment I kill like five or six more enemies, I get an S rank. And I'm just like, I don't know what sense that makes, but okay. Um, but as far as the criticism, I feel like that's where a lot of them end for me. I think this game does everything else exceedingly well. Um, and we'll start with this, Matt. Uh, the customization is top-notch. Now, I think that we all expected it to be, being able to customize your mech, making it whatever color you want it to be, pretty much any color really in existence, basically. Um, the different parts, the different play styles. It feels like customization in this game. This is some of the best in gaming, at least for this year. I don't know if there's a game that does customization uh, for the player character better than this game. No, I, I fully agree with that, especially because when you're going to make a game that is centered around mechs, customization is the key. Because, uh, you know, you're the character, like, you know, you, um, Raven, uh, and, you know, you want to be in control of, like, how, what you're going to look like. Because that's one thing that they, they excelled at here uh, is just how many different types of parts there are. It's, it's very realistic when it comes to, like, you know mechs in general because you know they're machines you have different parts like arms legs uh cores heads um and the best part 
uh, about the customization is the variety of weapons. And um, it, t- it took me a while to finally get to the Gatling guns. I'm not going to say why or what led to those events happening. But once I got those, I don't think that I switched up until the uh, the fight with uh, Michigan when I, you advised me to go ahead and switch over to the flamethrower since I was running out of ammo so um, often during that uh, fight. Um but there's a there's a lot of cool stuff here, especially like the the back weapons. When you have like you know homing and missiles, you have just straight up missiles. You have like uh, grenades, you know, single lasers. It, it's incredible, and the effects in the sound design when it comes to these weapons is incredible as well. Um, I mean, if you have like a really good pair of headphones, be wearing those while playing this game because everything sounds so good. Just like the creaking of the mechs when you're walking, when you're you know using your boost, when you're using your weapons, just everything. It just sounds so natural. Sounds so good. It's so satisfying. Um, I also like the fact that with the uh, not just being able to change, you know, what your mech looks like, but the colors as well. Uh, I spent the majority of my uh, game, you know, doing kind of like an Iron Man Mark One colors game, where it's just like the traditional red gold with a little bit of yellow and the flashing white lights. So I was very happy with the customization. Yeah, I agree. I think that I spent a lot of time in the menus on this game, and I'm completely okay with that. I think that. When you spend a lot of time in menu like this and it's interesting and you're looking at, okay, this affects my max speed, this affects the AP, this affects the EN output, this affects the EN resupply. Like, There's a lot of interesting things that go into the customization here, unlike another game that's currently out that you spend a lot of time in the menu on that I'm not going to spoil, Starfield. But um, (laughs) we'll we'll talk about that game here soon and it's... For fanboys out there on either side that wants to either shit on the game or love the game, it's going to be in the middle, so get, get over it now. Um, but I, I think that I was I was kind of worried when a lot of places said, oh, you're going to spend a lot of time in the menu. I was worried that it might be a little overbearing, maybe a little bit, I don't I don't know what the exact word is here. It might be a little overwhelming just seeing a bunch of numbers and having to like read everything. But I actually really enjoyed it. I thought that there was a there was a kind of a meticulous process that went into okay, here's how I'm going to load my mech up for each mission based on what I know I'm going into, what I'm going to be fighting, the enemies I'm going to encounter. I liked that. I liked that I had to think a little bit more. I thought that was really cool. Um, Kyle, you had a really cool mech design as well. Yours looked like the guy from Toonami when we were kids, and I loved that. I don't know if that's what you were going for, but I thought it was a really cool design. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I I just kind of liked the colors, and yeah, unironically ended up looking like him, which was pr- pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that's another thing I I really like in this game is the customization because it seems endless. There are so many different parts to go through, especially you know once you unlock them all and you've bought them all. I feel like the combinations of mechs could just you know take days to go through all of them. And test them all. I mean, just the weapons alone. I mean, I haven't even used half of them. Because there are so many to go through. And, it, you know, it requires so much fine-tuning. Um, and that's that's part of the game where, like, I'm not really that smart. I'm not smart enough to do this. I just kind of look at what's blue and what's red. And I'm like, okay, that's mostly blue. So I'm going to choose that one. Because it's not decreasing my stats. Um, but it's fun. I think that you don't really have to you know, be that, you know, articulate with it, you can just kind of glide through as long as you are are paying, you know, pretty general attention to what you're, you know, doing, because you don't want to obviously get a really heavy mech and go in thinking that you're about to be a big badass and 
your tank build is too is too big to move. Um, but another thing that was really cool was the OS chips and how you get yes. them. I think that yeah. the arena was one of my favorite parts of this game. Absolutely. I think that adds to the value of this game. The arena was awesome. It's just a, basically a series of 1v1 mech, AC versus AC fights. And coincidentally enough, it's all ACs that you end up encountering at some point into the game. So you might fight some in the arena that you're like, huh, I wonder who that is. And then you meet them later in the game and you're like, oh, I fought you already. And you kind of have an idea of what they attack, how, how they attack, you know, what weapons they use, what kind of AC they use. And that's really cool. And, and again, there's so many different play styles in this game. You can go all speed and just try to dodge every attack that comes your way. You can use lighter weapons. You can use pistols and, you know, maybe a set of uh, two quad sets of homing missiles. Or you can go full tank, two Gatling guns, songbirds, and just put out a ton of damage. And the best part is, is that depending on what's in front of you, both of those play styles are viable. And everything in between is viable. And that's really, really cool because... You do see that in a lot of these games. People maybe gravitate to one or two weapons, but I feel like everyone that I've seen online, sure, the Gatling guns are popular, but I also think that there's a lot of variety in the builds that I've seen online. There's a lot of different builds. I've seen a lot of people using the Tetrapod legs, and it never even crossed my mind to give those a try. That's something I might try on my next playthrough is just how does my playstyle change with the Tetrapod legs. Um, the story is a really interesting point for me. Because that's something in all of the reviews that has kind of been all over the place. Like, there are people that are okay with it. There are people that it was their biggest gripe and that it's mainly told in just menus with dialogue, kind of like old Metal Gear Solid games. Um, I personally think that the story is really good. And I think that for a From Software game, the fact that the story is easy to understand, that's a big, big winning point for this game. So, to illustrate that point, Matthias. I would like for you to unmute and in a few sentences explain the basic gist of the story for the people listening. So basically, just from my understanding of it, um, there is this uh, there's this kind of like material, this ore. Uh, it's, it's called coral. So basically, coral is what is used as you know an energy source for the planet of Rubicon Three. Um, and during, was, I think, takes place 50 years before the main story begins, there was this cataclysmic event that caused the fires of Ibis. Is that correct? Yeah. It, Ibis, the fires of Ibis. Yes, sir. The fires of Ibis uh, completely destroyed the planet and basically um, left behind just this lethal, you know, contaminant. Uh, and everybody, after those events occurred, you know, everyone thought that, you know, Coral was completely gone. But, you know, 50 years later, there's this war going on. And there's all these different factions and the character that you're playing, uh, you're basically a mercenary for hire and um, you end up getting acquired by a handler named Walter. Yes. Um, and he basically just kind of has you do these missions. Like one of the first things you do is you go to the planet of Rubicon and you're, you know, you're tasked to find an ID since you are there illegally. So you're going through, uh, you eventually you find one. And this is kind of actually where you encounter your, your first you know, big boss, which that was great. I just want to say that that was a great fight to get you really going. Um, so like, with all the other factions, you know, fighting over the coral, you know, you, you do these missions and Walter actually has you do missions for other, you know, uh, factions like, um, Archibus, Balaam, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, the Vespers, yeah. And then you also do some for the Rubicon Liberation Front as well. 
Yeah, exactly. So you're you're basically just you know going behind all these other people's backs, and eventually, I mean, it all comes down to having to make choices, which I thought was a really nice touch, especially if you go you know to New Game Plus and there's even more stuff going on there. Uh, but that's that's my understanding of the story. And you are pretty spot on, in my opinion. So the basic gist of the story is this this material called Coral exists, and you basically spend the entire game playing every side of this kind of this corporate war for this material and i think that's really interesting i i like that an armored core game tells that story i know armored core stories have been pretty solid in the past armored core for answer is known the third the true ending of the game i think um and this is a spoiler alert for anyone who doesn't know the ending of that game aka the two of you um it's considered to be one of the darkest story endings that FromSoft has ever written, where you basically kill a hundred million innocent people. And it's really, really dark. But I, I like this kind of story out of From Software because basically the basic gist of the story is you can ne- not trust anybody that you're working with. You're gonna team up with you're gonna team up with all these different sides, and at one point against the ice worm, you're gonna team up with all of them but you cannot trust them. And there's that little uneasiness you have with every character you run into, no matter who they are, what their history is with your character. There's a little bit of uneasiness. And I like that. I like that. It's, you know, they're trying to pull you to one side or the other. Your boy, Rusty even made a cameo. Shout out V4 Rusty. One of the best side characters from is ever created. When he calls you buddy, it just hits different. It really does. But there's a lot to like about this story. And sure, the presentation is what it is. But I feel like if you don't like this story, I feel like you're almost looking for a God of War story in the wrong place. You're looking for a Spider-Man story in the wrong place. Like, I feel like the story is really good. That's just me, though. So, fellas, I feel like we, we've touched on quite a bit about this game. Let's touch on the endings a little bit because we each, Kyle, we've seen all three endings. Matt, you've seen the ending where you fight Air. Um, which of the endings, Kyle, did you prefer? Because you've seen all three of them. I personally love the third ending. I see why it's considered the true ending, and the boss fight is insane. What ending did you prefer? I honestly preferred Ayers. I thought that it was... Really? Yeah, I I felt the most connection to her character, and I, I felt like that ending was just so depressing. I mean, like... You know, I get, you know, I think that, I don't know, I don't know, it's hard, because, like, also at the same time, you know, like, killing Walter isn't isn't any easier, because, you know, he's your handler the whole time, I mean, both of them, I gotta go with Air, though, I, I liked her just a little bit more, and... You know, having to kill her. Also, her mech was badass. I used it quite a bit. Um, yes. After you get to fight her in the arena, I downloaded that shit and I had used it through so many missions. It's fun. Um, yeah. But yeah. I agree. I think that Ayers, of the two, of the first two innings, I definitely liked Ayers more, but man, between her and Walter, it's painful, man, because you're having to fight, you know, one entity that you feel like has had your back and the, the reasoning and the motivation behind Air's actions are very pure. She w- believes that Coral and humanity can coexist. And when you choose to go against that, you're essentially choosing to wipe out the entire history of Rubicon because all of it is contained within the voices that you can hear within the Coral because of the fires of Ibis. Now, on Walter's side... 
he's trying to end it because he lost a lot of people because of that. He's lost a lot of his friends through all of that. And you again, you kind of understand the motivations of both sides. I will say, uh, spoil the third ending. The final boss being uh, this kind of all-mind-controlled version of Gun 5 Iguazu, I didn't mind putting him down. Because he kind of just talked shit the entire time on your playthrough to you and kind of treated you like shit the entire time. So blasting him one more good time, I didn't exactly regret. Didn't exactly feel bad doing that. So, uh, Matt, closing remarks before we go. I know that me and Kyle are a little bit higher on this game. But if you had to tell somebody that is kind of on the fence to uh, as to whether or not they want to play this game, would you recommend this game to them? And if you would or wouldn't, why? Oh, yeah, no, I would definitely recommend this game to somebody, um, even if they've never previously played one. Because, I mean, look at the three of us. We've never played one before, and we all really enjoyed this game. Like, I definitely wouldn't try and tell someone that, no, I wouldn't recommend this game. I mean, if they're, if, if you know, if they're like the, you know, you got to get good kind of kids or whatever, maybe not if they find, you know, games hard. But even I'll say this, like, this, this the difficulty of this game doesn't come anywhere close to, like, any, you know, uh, previous FromSoft games. At least not in my opinion, it doesn't. Outside of Baltius, because he's just, like, the biggest wall in the game. Because, I mean, I, 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 yeah. I, had to, I had to let you take over the controller and play it for me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. We forgot to hoe you because Kyle beat Baltius for you. We yeah, low-key forget to hoe you. I know. You got to hoe me. You got to hoe um, me. That's fine. Say, that's fine. I think the difficulty of this game is an interesting talking point just because I think for the most part, the game is pretty straightforward. It's pretty fair. I do think there are moments where it's very unfair. There's moments where it gets very, very yeah. hard. Agree, and that's and that's and that's frustrating. I do think there's definitely challenging fights, and if you don't adapt, you will not make it through this game. If you cannot, if you yeah. can't adapt, and I do like that, Matt. Yeah, and that's another thing that I do love about this game and the customization. Once again, is that you can't just stick with the same mech through every single mission. You, if you if you're dying over and over and over, you gotta switch it up because eventually they're going to introduce enemies with shields, and that's when I learned about Balteus <laughs> when he had his shield. <laughs> I was just like, bro, I gotta damage the shield, break it, then I have to stun him, then do damage to him, and eventually, you know, do more damage, and then he gets the shield back. And I was just like, bro, that's giving me a headache. <laughs> yeah, it's one um, of those where you've got to, if you can adjust, you can make it through yeah, this game, is the basic yeah. gist. Um, and my closing statement is this if you are like on the, um, if, if you're like teeter tottering, if you're on the edge of like wanting to pick this game up and you don't know it, I suggest go ahead and jump in and go for it. It's a, it's a great first game if you've never played Armor Core before, because you know, it doesn't really, you know, you don't have to play the previous games to understand what's going on. It's, it's pretty self explanatory. Um, and especially if you like mechs, so if you like Transformers, if you like Gundam, if you like those kind of things, this is definitely the game for you. I understand kind of why these are niche games after playing through this one. I can kind of see where it's not, there's not a ton of mainstream appeal here, but I do have to say in the year of 2023 to get as many great games as we have, it's refreshing to get, it's refreshing to get another game that isn't microtransaction heavy, that all this customization stuff is unlocked from the jump. And I'm actually really excited to see where this goes. We didn't even really get into PVP because we haven't tried it yet, but I hope that gets support for quite a while because I'm excited to give that a try as well. It looks like it's a lot of fun. So that is going to wrap up this episode of Side Mission. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at Side Mission Pod. You can follow us on Facebook as well at Side Mission Podcast. For the boys, for Kyle, for Matt, I'm Rusty. Thank you for listening. Yeah.